You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. So back in the uh, dark ages, my son played football for Cabrillo. And if you follow Cabrillo football, you know they've had some rough years. But when he was a junior, they beat Lompoc. I mean, they crushed Lompoc. And they went to CIF. They went to third round. They lost there. It was pretty amazing. It was wonderful. It was awesome. And my wife, Debbie, and I, and our daughter, Jamie, we made a vow to go to every single game that Brian played. We got there before anybody got there. We watched the team uh, run on the field, watched them warm up watched them play. I mean, it was, it was great. And no matter what, we said, if you're there and you're wearing the uniform and you're standing proud, we're going to be there cheering you on. Now, this one particular father, I remember vividly. I know his name. I won't say his name because uh, he's extremely guilty. And he would rarely come to watch his son play, rarely. And one particular night, his son was given the football, and he had what we call fumble-itis, fumble-ruski, fumble-fumble-aya, jumble-aya. I mean, every time he got the ball, it came out like a loaf of bread and fell to the grass every time. And now halftime comes, and dad, you know, gets his popcorn and his coffee, and he comes back, he mumbles about the conquistadors, how horrible they are, and, and second play of the drive, his boy gets the ball, fumbles the ball, and dad gets up in frustration and walks out of the stadium. And I looked at his son, ran to the sideline, you know, beating his helmet, you know how they do, right, They're all upset. He looks up in the stands only to see his dad exiting out of the stadium. I never forget that. Now, what does it have to do with the sermon? Everything. Because I'm here to tell you today that we are valued and loved deeply by God who never walks out of the stadium on us. He never does. No, he never does. He's seen every fumble, he's seen every mistake, he's seen every error, he's seen every defiant act of disobedience you've ever done, every sin, capital S, sin, you know the really bad ones, the S, capital ones? And yet, he loves us with an everlasting love. It's John 10.10 we've been using for this series that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. See, what's what's beautiful about this is from cover to cover, the Bible is literally a love story. It's God showing people how much he loves them, even in the face of who they are. Think of Israel. All you got to think about Israel, wilderness wandering, stiff-necked, arrogant people, turn their back on God. God gives them victory over their enemies, and they end up worshiping the gods of the enemies they just overthrew by the power of God. It's just crazy to me. And God says, you shall have no other gods before me. And what do they do? They start worshiping idols. I mean, just think about this. And yet God says, I love you. 
And God caused redemption to come through his son Jesus for us because he loves us. Would you read 1 John 3, 1 with me, especially on Father's Day, with your best we love God voice. Okay, here we go. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. We have to behold or see or examine how incredible this great love of God is for us that he's lavished on us. Lavished, ladies, lavished. Lavished, lavished is a bubble bath with, with oils in it and, and candles in the room. Your favorite music just piped in for ambiance. Come on, lavish. Lavish, guys, is the barbecue we're going to have at John's house after. <laughs> right? You know, lobster and ribs. Come on. After. Come on. See, the, the important thing I want you to understand with God is it's not performance, it's promise. It's not your merit, it's his mercy. It's not your goodness, it's his grace. This God loves us, and the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy what? All the love of God from us. See, the tactics of the evil one are to get us to believe somehow we are less than God says that we are. The tactics of the evil one is to get us to listen to voices from the past. If you have a past, anybody have one? Anybody have one you don't want put on the screens today? The voice of the past that say, do you remember? And we just have to stand up and say, uh, God, God the Father, would you take care of that? Because there's naysayers in the stands. Lord, they want to talk about my fumble. They want to talk about my fumbleitis. But Lord, would and God stands there and says, hey, 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 you're wearing the uniform. I'm here. Any of you uh, dads especially, I mean, moms, you could chime in. Any of you dads especially remember the experience of T-ball? T-ball. Now, if you've never had T-ball, my grandson taught me about T-ball. He said, Grandpa, you, you got to come watch me play because I can really hit the ball far. I said, wow, man. And I'm there in the stands, and Debbie's there, and Jamie's, and we're all in the stands. Stands are packed with par parents cheering. They got their videos out, you know, these kids. And Peyton Fetterman gets up. I think he was four. The ball's still there. Ball is still there. Real quick, he thought maybe <laughs> the ball's there. And finally, he hit the rubber piece. Boom! And the thing, the tee, and the ball went up the, the top and rolled. And he, and you know what I, run! Peyton, run, boy! Run! Brian's there, dad, calm down. No, run! Run! And, and he runs the first, by the way, he's fast. And he runs the first and he's there and I, yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Division one scholarship. Praise <laughs> the Lord. He's going far. Major league, man. 
Dad, sit down, you're embarrassing us, you know. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, you know. And the next kid gets up, and I mean, hits the white ball. I mean, boom, all the way past the pitcher and runs to third base <laughs> instead of going to first. T-ball. So you don't, if you don't have, you haven't done T-ball, you don't know, okay? <laughs> next, next time season comes around, just go to a T-ball game. If it's not anybody, you know, just go watch it. It is comic relief. <laughs> this kid's running to third. And you know what the father, was, uh, his dad was saying? My, my son, see how fast he is. Y'all see? He ran to the wrong base. Oh, look at me. He didn't even tell his boy he ran to the wrong base. You are awesome. You are, you are awesome. Now I'm going to give you another sport. It's called AYSO soccer for little kids. And girls are even better than this because they, they just clump with the ball. They, they don't. <laughs> there's no breakaway. They just clump. Kick it out of there. Kick it out of there. They don't kick it out. It's just they clump. They give it a little friend. They kick it like six inch, eight inch, ten inch. Woo! Kick the two feet. Wow! You know, and and I got to tell you this one, this one little girl. She breaks away. Boom, boom, and she's running down the field. She's dribbling. She's going. You should have seen her daddy. He's running all the way down the. Yeah, you go, you go, girl. Woo, woo. She misses. I mean, she misses by a giant mile. You almost had it. You, almost nothing, you know. You almost had it, sweetheart. Hey, my good Real La Madrid. That's my girl right there. Anyway, sorry. Can I just, can I just tell you? You're not going to probably get all the sermon, but you got to get this. That's God our Father. He looks at you. You wake up and you say, dear Lord, look, look, they're awake. Come on. They're calling my name. You know how much God loves you? And unless and until you know who God says you are, you will be vulnerable to what people say about you and what the enemy says about you. Did God say? Three words, did God say? In Matthew 4, 3, we saw this in the temptation of Jesus where the tempter came to him and said, if you are, come on, the son of God. Now, what's he doing? Well, we talked about this. I'll just highlight one sentence. He's challenging Jesus at the point of his identity. You mean God told you you're, you're, you're his beloved, notice, beloved, loved son? Did God really say that to you? Listen, you will be challenged the rest of your life until you take your last breath with this very thing. Did God really say you're his son and his daughter? Did God really say you'll have eternal life? Did God really say death will not overcome you? Did God really say he'll be with you? Did God really say, don't worry, don't be afraid. The Lord's my light and my salvation. And Jesus said, listen, devil, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. If God said it, and I believe it, then that settles it. You know what faith is? Write this down, would you please? Faith is the embrace of all that God has said. 
I embrace all that God says. Well, my neighbor said, I don't care what they said. Good morning. Well, the paper said, I don't care what the paper said. Well, Facebook said it. It's got to be gospel. So if you open your Bibles to Ephesians, we're going to try to race through some of this. Uh, Paul the Apostle is writing to the church at Ephesus. It had been seven or eight years since he'd been there with them. He spent two years with them. He spent two years pouring his life into them. And there are two words that he will use about uh, 11 to 12 times, depending on your version, in the first chapter of Ephesians. It's a two-word phrase that he will use 140 times in the New Testament, and it's this phrase, in Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. It, it, it demands a response. How many of you know for sure that you're saved and that you are in Christ? Just raise your hand. Okay. Now, now if, if you didn't raise your hand, uh, either you're not sure or you just like to be defiant. And that's okay. I, I'm, I'm all right with that. Um, but for those that didn't raise your hand, there's a whole other sermon, but I'm going to just give you it in a nutshell. There is no way that we are saved except through Jesus Christ. There's no way. There's no way to get to God except through the Son. Now, a, a while back, there was a very prominent uh, uh, American pastor, uh, author, you know, mega church guy, and he was on a talk show. And you could look at this online. I'm not going to tell you what talk show. I'm not going to tell you what preacher. And he was asked point blank by the commentator, well, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? To which this pastor said, I got to tell you, man, all the spotlights on. To which the pastor said these words, it's not for me to judge. Now, if CNN was here, if Oprah was here, if Larry King was here, if Steve Harvey was here. I mean, you, you just, you know, Ellen DeGeneres walked in. Bernie, do you believe that Jesus Christ, you know what I'm going to say? Yes, without reservation, without embarrassment, because Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except to me. Well, but what about my neighbor? He's a good guy. Well, I'm glad he's a good guy. But you're asking me about salvation. You're asking me, how do you get in Christ? You only get in Christ if you believe in Christ. You believe he died. You believe he rose again. You believe that the same power that caused Christ to rise lives in us. And I got to tell you, there's churches in America today that won't say what I just said. We are loved and we are connected with that love of God through Christ. You see, he, he loves us. But we only get to know his love and understand his love and be identified by his love when we believe in him. So, number one, write this down. You are not who you were. And some of you need to say, oh, praise God. Yeah, I'm not who I was. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. Put off your old self, easier said than done, come on, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in an attitude of your minds, and put on the what? New self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 
Now, there will be times that you will mess up. There will be times that you will have fumbleitis. And I'm just here to tell you, God will not exit the stadium. This God is for us. He is not against us. He may not appreciate that we fumbled. He may not even receive glory from the fumble. But God is there to help us, to pick up our messes, to forgive us, to redeem us, and then to help us not fumble again. That's the God that we have. In Christ, we are, number two, holy and blameless. Ephesians 1.4 says, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and what? Blameless where? Whose sight matters? His. He's the only one qualified to say someone is holy because He alone is holy. He's the only one qualified to say you're blameless. You and I both know when we read that, we have a problem because we are to blame. And yet God, listen, listen, you want to see how how much love God the Father has for us on Father's Day? That we would be called the sons and daughters of God, that we would be holy and blameless in his sight where it matters the most. God looks down and says, there's my boy, there's my girl. And when we confess our sins to the Lord and come under the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, he sees us as holy and blameless. Boy, think about how much energy we spend trying to get people to validate us. Well, do you like, do you like this outfit, honey? Do you think it looks good? Huh? You put a new picture of yourself on Facebook, you know, backlit. Come on. Do I look good? Look at our family. We got the right. Come on. Listen, I've been with people. Selfie one, selfie. Oh, that, that's no good. Selfie six. Huh? As though the world's sight matters. Yeah, you should look nice. I got it. Get a good picture of yourself. Please do. Get it professionally taken if you need to. But when God sees you, he sees you as his beloved son and daughter. Number three, we are chosen and adopted. Ephesians 1.5. Ephesians 1.5. Let's read this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us through. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him. Oh, man. What does God do for fun? He has a parade. He puts you on the float. Wow, look at, there they go. Oh, wow. Wow, did you see Bernie hit the ball? The angels say, he didn't hit the ball. God, he hit the rubber thing. <laughs> huh? Oh, not in my book. Why? Because I decided in advance to adopt to take him into, the word adopt simply means, and ladies, don't get offended, it means to be placed as sons. And, and gals, you got to understand, in Bible times, you really didn't have much value. It was sons that were valuable. And God makes sure through the Holy Spirit, as Paul pens these words, I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, you're all considered the sons of God. That means you all are beneficiaries of the inheritance of the Lord. 
All of us are heirs, joint heirs with Jesus. Are you kidding me? We got brought into his family through Jesus Christ. Remember what I said earlier? Stick the camera in my face. I'm going to say it's only through Jesus Christ. I didn't write this. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. See, what God says about us matters most of all. The Ephesians were not Jews. So they were told they were illegitimate in God's kingdom. In other words, you're not a Jew. You're not his chosen. It really doesn't matter much about you. Now, many of you knew I was raised in Jewish faith, and then I came to believe in Jesus Christ, so I'm double chosen, neener, neener, neener. <laughs> what you may not know is when a baby was born in Roman culture, they didn't take the baby and set it on mama's chest. Sorry, ladies. The mom had zero say in the matter. The mom didn't name the child. The mom didn't even decide if she was going to keep the child. It was a dad's responsibility. Now, if daddy had two girls, <laughs> he's waiting for a boy. Another girl comes along, guess where the girl went? On the doorstep. And he shut the door. Done. And because they believed in many gods, lowercase g, they, they would allow the gods to spare the child. If the child died in the night, then it was the God's wishes that the child wouldn't live, and the child died. If someone came along and adopted the child, good for the child. If someone came along and decided to take the child and bring it to the slave trade, the marketplace, or raise the child for human trafficking and prostitution, it was up to whoever took the child. And when morning came, hmm, child was still there whimpering, Gods must want it to live. Shut the door on the child. If the child was dead, God must want the child to die. Listen, when Paul the Apostle says, we have been adopted, he is saying this. God came by and saw you on the doorstep and picked you up and took you in and gave you a name. Hmm? and caused you to be the son and daughter of the Most High God. If you ever feel abandoned or rejected or neglected, you have to stop for a moment and say, I have a God who scooped me up. And that's what matters most. That is the most important thing in life. You may have parents that rejected you when you were growing up, Maybe Father's Day is rough for you. Did you think about your dad and your dad wasn't all that? A young man in our church years ago told me his dad never hugged him, never kissed him, never told him he loved him. Now he has a son and he's trying to figure out how to take care of his boy. Because what he had modeled for him was not loving at all. There was no public display of affection. Just think about that. Oh, I, I hugged my boy. I, I hug my boy. I love, oh, I kiss him. He's a battalion chief. Lompoc fire. I kiss him on the cheek in front of the guys. Do you think I care? <laughs> what are they going to do, kick me out of the building? I'm their volunteer chaplain. What are they going to do? <laughs> huh? I got the code for all the doors. 
Oh, I do. And we embrace each other. I just love it. My grandson, my granddaughter. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, man. Partly because I love them. And partly because I never want them to have to guess. I never want them to have to guess about it. Maybe, maybe you as a lady gave up your virginity to someone who made promises to you and then abandoned you like a bat out of hell. Or maybe as one dear veteran told me, I, I felt abandoned by my country after serving so faithfully. And when I came home, very few seemed to care. Or maybe you were rejected by a church. Churches are really good at hurting people. We are notorious. Not in other parts of the world, but North America, man. And we are, you know, the Christian army is the only army that kills its wounded, you know? And we are good. Oh, oh, gosh. And we have in this town lots of people that go to no church because they've been so devastated by the churches they were a part of. And I, I pray we never fail you that way. We're not perfect, but I pray we never fail you that way. See, God, God has said, whatever you've been through, I've come down to, to, to pick you up in Ephesians 2.13 and to unite you with Christ Jesus. You have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Number four, in Christ, we are a masterpiece. You should look in the mirror tonight and say, I'm a masterpiece. Not barbecue sauce. That's when we go to John's house at the bar. See how we tie it all back in. No, uh, uh, I'm a masterpiece. Pastor, have you looked at yourself lately? <laughs> no, I'm a masterpiece. The word many of you know is poema in the Greek. I am the poem that God is putting together, causing to rhyme in harmony. And as a body of believers, we're, we're a symphony together that God is writing, an orchestra that is playing together. Ephesians 2.10, we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us uh, long ago. We have a group of people meeting on Wednesday night called Life Support, a great group of people. Uh, this would be a good verse uh, for you guys, Dave. I see you down here. Uh, that all of us, regardless of, of our problems in life or our addictions in life or our, our stresses in life or our pain in life, we're God's masterpiece. And sometimes we have to tell somebody who's beaten and left by the side of the road um, figuratively that, that God still has a plan for you. He sees you in your pain, but, he, but he's still saying, that's my kid. And not just cheering about your great t-ball skills, but he's cheering you on because you know what? This is not your life. This is not the end of your life. Don't use the past as an excuse to miss out on your future because God has a future plan for us long ago. And this is not just, just hype. This is hope. There's a difference. I, there's a lot of motivational speakers that can hype you up. But our hope is in Christ and what he's done for us. And I'm going to use this statement all the time. I, I'm going to keep using it. Don't allow your past trauma to become your present day drama. There's enough drama queens out there to last us a lifetime. Stop being, I, I know Christian, spirit-filled Christian. Oh, Lord, hallelujah. 
They worship God, and then they get in their car, and there's just drama. Knock it off. Stop for a moment and see. I just, I wish you could do this. See the Lord lean into you and say, man, I'm so glad you're mine. I'm so glad you're mine. I'm so glad I have you. You know, I was praying recently, and you know what God breathed into my heart? How much he loved me. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you an exercise, and every few years I give this to you uh, as a church. Some of you have heard it. Oh, here he goes again, the same exercise, but it's a good exercise. Stop, still yourself, and ask God this question. Lord, do you love me? And just listen. I told a lady, she says, I've never heard the voice of God. I've never felt an impression from God. I've never felt the warmth of the Spirit. I've never, I just, I go to church, I worship, I pay my tithe, you know, I, I, I serve, I read the Bible, I love God, I believe, I just never have heard, felt, sensed anything. So I said to her, be quiet and just ask God if he loves you. So a week passed, she sent me an email. Pastor, I've been doing it three times a day, seven days, three times seven, 21, and I've got nothing. What do I do? Just keep showing up, I said. Day 25, I get an email from her. I heard a voice. <laughs> what did it sound like, I said? Ah, comforting. Good. What did the voice say? The voice said, I love you with all my heart. I said, wow, better write that down in your journal. He said, now I'm having second guesses. Maybe it was just me wanting to hear it. Maybe it was the devil. I said, the devil will never tell you God loves you. <laughs> he comes to steal, kill, ah, and destroy. He'll say, the Lord hates you. you know? He might say that. But pastor, I heard it. I go, good for you. Now what do I do? Come back tomorrow and ask again? Folks, some of you just need to spend time with God and ask him if he loves you. See, when we understand who we are in God's eyes, it breaks the power of what others say or think about us. Then we're not beholden to a father who doesn't have the goods to love us. Well, my dad never said, I'm sorry he never said. He has issues. I mean, how do you know my dad? I know your dad. I have a dad too. My dad just turned 95. Don't applaud. My, my, my last service, they applaud. My mom said, who's just turned uh, 93, my mom said, when she was still be able to communicate, she said, it's a curse to grow old. Mom, it's not a cursed girl. Live a long time. She said, yeah, but if your body wears out or your mind wears out and you're just here, it's a curse. All right. My dad, some of you know old Max, cantankerous, ornery. I can talk about it because he, he knows nothing about technology. He's not watching online. <laughs> but you know what? People go visit him and say, your son talked about you again in church. Oh, what did he say? You know? Hardest working guy I ever met, my dad. 
hardest working guy I ever met. Survivor of the Holocaust. Quite a story. Didn't always know how to love his kids. Demonstratively. Oh, oh, he provided for it. So if I was waiting all my life for my dad to come and say, oh, I'm so proud of you, son. You're amazing. I'd still be waiting, because here's what my dad would say. I'm proud of you. Or when he should sit down here. Sermon. Good sermon today. But might I suggest? <laughs> Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, oh, great. Dad, look at my car. My, 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 my first car, I, I, I got it running. Oh, that's good. Oh, look at those bolts. Oh, how come? Oh, how come the tires in the back have no tread on them? Ah, it's called fun, Dad. It's called fun. <laughs> anyway, anyway, no matter what you did, come on. Let me understand. Now, I'm not talking about pushing people to be their best, because there's some people who are just mediocre. You want to make them better. And dads can do that. But if I was looking for my dad to teach me how to love my kids and my grandkids, sorry, sorry, I would not be as loving today. Some of you are waiting for somebody to come to you and say, you're really something. I'm just here to be a messenger today to say that God wants you to hear this. You are incredible in his eyes. And I know you're going to say, well, I know this, but do we really know this? If you were the only one on the planet, Jesus Christ would have come and given his life for you. And while he's dying on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them, the Father in heaven is saying, man, you're worth dying for. And a lot of people have forgotten this. See, identity is likeness to the things that we are and the things that we cherish. How great would it be if our identity was really really tied to who God is. Number uh, five, that we are loved by God. To be secure in Christ, you need to embrace the promise that you're loved by God. Because of his great love, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. His great love for who? For who? For us. God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. For it's by grace we have been saved. Yeah, but pastor, have you seen my wrinkles? Yes, I have. See my sunburn from yesterday's barbecue for the Air Force? Yes. I'll get the sunscreen later. Yes. Come on. God doesn't look at our, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make anybody mad. He doesn't look at your weight gain or weight loss and say, oh, now you're looking good. I can start loving you again. Are you kidding me? Huh. All right, I better get on with the last part. This is a part I gave you four years ago. I had it in my notes, and I, we're going to end with this, and you'll go have. You, you got to get this lesson. With the amazing promises of Ephesians as our backdrop, I want you to consider this. Your value, says David Lomas, is derived by what you believe to be the truest thing about you. Now, don't look at the clock saying, he's going long. No, you, you got to get this. Because you all have issues with this. All of us do. 
whatever you believe to be the truest thing about you will, will give you your value and your identity. A gentleman in the church years ago, he said to me, Pastor, my identity is in the bottle and all my friends float in the bottom of a glass. He was quoting a line from Elton John. I said, you're not defined, my friend, by the bottle. Oh, yeah, I am. I sleep with it. I dream about it. In the morning I wake up, oh, I caress the bottle, man. Give me the out. Give me alcohol. And he allowed the truest thing about alcohol to, 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 to become his demise. I'm just telling you that. He's no longer with us. You know why? Because he believed his life was defined by booze, by alcohol. No, God has more for you. No, he could never embrace that. So whatever you believe the truest thing is about you, Moses believed that he was a, 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 un, unable to be servant of God because he had a stuttering problem. Do you remember that? Abraham, you will have a miraculous son. We will call him Isaac. And, and Abraham looks at his wife and says, you're not the fox you used to be, baby. And even when you were young and, you know, you were hot, you couldn't have kids. So he went and had Ishmael. The truest thing about Abraham in that moment, later on he's called the father of faith, but truest thing about it in that moment, we can't have kids. Natural way, or even supernatural. We're, 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 we're going to go do it ourselves. What is the truest thing about you? You will find PhDs who feel stupid, CEOs who feel like failures, athletes who say they're never good enough, skinny women, I mean skinny women who feel fat. Ever met them? Beautiful people who feel ugly, wives who have husbands who love them dearly, and the wives feel unloved no matter what their husband do. She's not in this service, but she'll be here today. Satan is a liar and an accuser of those who are in Christ. So that's why I want you to mark these verses in your notes in Ephesians. File this sermon somewhere, because you may not need it today, but someday when you're depressed, discouraged, defeated, right, you need to pull these verses out, say, this is who I am in Christ. If you believe who you are is who you were, then you'll always do what you always did. <laughs> well, she said, my life is just all about promiscuity. Well, if you believe who you are is who you were, then you'll always do what you always did. What do you, who do you believe in? I, I'm a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Don't let anybody take that from you. I am loved by God. I am valued by God. Your identity, number two, is shaped by what you believe the most important person in your life believes about you. What's the truest thing that you believe about you? And what is, what is the most important person in your life? Well, who's the most important person in your life? And what do they believe about you? If you believe the most important person in your life is a dad who can't love you, then guess what? You will never be loved by anybody. I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting for him. If you're waiting for the boss to recognize that you're a value to your company and your boss isn't doing that, then your performance will be based on the fact that you're waiting for your boss. Just keep doing a good job. Work for the Lord. Forget your boss. Work for the Lord. Just do a good job. 
if you're waiting for the commander, if you're waiting for, and we're all of us, if you're waiting for somebody to run on the sidelines, no, look at you. God's already doing it. And we'll find some people around here who can do it for you too if you need. You're awesome. We should have an awesome crew every week. You walk. Look how awesome you are, you know. Yeah, people say, I'm not going to that church. They're weird there. <laughs> but we're all suffering from insecurity. Why? Until our security is in Christ. All of us. All right, I'm going to end with a scripture and forget the rest of the fill-in. Oh, your identity is in what Jesus did for you, and that's an important one. So here's the last scripture, Zephaniah 3.17. And our prayer team's going to come. They're going to pray, and you're going to have donut holes. And Some of you are coming back to see if you can win a barbecue, right? Come on. <laughs> Zephaniah 3.17, let's read it. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Listen, if God could sit down with you today for Father's Day, I'm going to tell you what the conversation would be about. He'd first ask if you know his son, Jesus. Yes, I do, Lord. Good. And he'd lean in. He'd lean in, he'd say, hey, have I told you lately that I love you? Have I told you how valuable you are to me? Oh, you didn't see me last week when I was running on the sideline? You didn't see when you tried to share your faith with somebody and instead of hitting the ball, you hit the rubber part? (laughs) I was there going, yeah. Yeah. You know what God does when we come and praise him and sing to him? Whether in a setting like this or alone, yeah, that's my kid. Huh? You better know today that you are loved by God. And he goes with you this week. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.